0: I wonder if you've ever felt like you were on top of the world. Everything was going really, really well. Your dreams are all coming to fruition, and then suddenly the rug is pulled from under you. Well, for me, it was at training, the day before the biggest hockey match of my career that was to be beamed live across Australia on Foxtel at the National Championship Finals. Now, this would be the culmination of years of effort and toil, climbing the elite ladder and finally playing in the National Hockey League. I was in the starting lineup, I was in the form of my life and I couldn't wait. But then this crushing blow to my finger. Instead of being on the plane to Queensland the next morning, I was in the doctor's lounge dealing with a compound fracture and an impending operation. I couldn't believe it. Just 16 hours before hopping on that aeroplane and my dreams fell to dust. Why me? I didn't deserve this. Now, some of you have had similar experiences where out of nowhere, some form of tragedy or great challenge has hit you like a ton of bricks. Hey, maybe you, were living with a, maybe you were living a healthy life, but then suddenly the doctor informs you of a serious disease that you have. Or maybe things were tracking well at work. You got a great wage, you're really enjoying your job, you get along well with the people, there are prospects of elevation, and all of a sudden you're made redundant and you never saw it coming. Or maybe you're in a relationship, secure and committed, in love, or you thought you were in love, and then your partner just walks out on you. And it's moments like these we often question God. Why? Why me? I don't deserve this. What am I going to do? How do I respond to this time of challenge in my life? Well, I'm sure these are the sort of questions that Naaman was asking. Now, we meet Naaman in the Old Testament, in the Second Kings, in the book of Second Kings, chapter 5. And in verse 1, we read, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded. Because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier. And so here we have a commander, Naaman, the commander of the Syrian army, a great leader who was highly regarded. Now he's smart, he's a daring soldier, and no doubt he had earned his position. And here he is at the height of his career. But, unfortunately for Naaman, there was a big but. But Naaman had leprosy. Now leprosy, In those days, certainly, was a feared skin disease with a bleak outlook. Now, some forms were contagious, and in many cases, incurable and leading to death. Now, lepers were often forced out of the city and into quarantine camps. Now, we're not talking about some form of a Syrian Novotel for two weeks and then being released back into society. This was for a long, long time. And so Naaman, appears, is doomed. Naaman, this powerful commander, is now powerless. He's a sick man. Now, you can imagine how Naaman must have felt. He was on top of the world, but now this. So his status, his fame, his riches, his intelligence, and even his past achievements, they don't really stack up anymore. They don't really matter. He has a new focus now. His focus is to simply stay alive, and he needs hope. Now, hope is exactly what is given. Firstly, through the most unlikely of sources his wife's maid who points him to God. Now this young girl from Israel, she'd been captured and was now serving Naaman's wife. And in verse 3 of Second Kings there, chapter 5, we read that she says to her mistress, if only my master Naaman would see this prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So what's happening here is that God plants a young Israelite girl captive in Naaman's own household to bring him a message of hope. A simple, humble maid. Now, we don't know much about her, but her faith in God and her knowledge of Elisha the prophet and her boldness to speak up was the beginning point of Naaman's healing. So Naaman actually ends up traveling to Israel on the back of this young girl's recommendation. What courage, what courage it must have taken for this young girl to speak up. What bold faith believing that her God could heal Naaman through the prophet Elisha. So Naaman sets off. And he's been given a letter from his king, addressed to the king of Israel. In verse 6 there you read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. So the king of Israel, he receives this letter. But he doesn't take too kindly to the letter. This request was beyond him. And he rages believing that this is some sort of devious plan that would spark a renewed battle between the two nations. So he has a little bit of a hissy fit, you'd probably call it. However, the king was obviously unaware of the context of this request because apparently Elisha is not mentioned in the letter. So the king tears his robes in response. But then Elisha, he gets wind of the king's adverse response and he can see that the king is not going to be able to deal with Naaman's plight. He's not at all gifted to do so and he certainly hasn't got the heart to deal with this situation. So Elisha sends him this message and read it in 2 Kings 5 verse 8 and 9. Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. So here we have Naaman. He rocks up to the house, to Elisha's house, hoping beyond hope that perhaps Elisha can do something with his ailment that he's carrying. Elisha, though, doesn't come to the front door. It's quite surprising. Instead, Elisha sends a messenger to him and instructs him to go wash himself seven times in the Jordan, and then his skin will be restored, and he will be healed. So here you've got Naaman. He's on this journey towards healing, and it starts with a humble young maid, and now it moves to Elisha. But astoundingly, Naaman rejects Elisha's advice, and he shuts the door on this potential blessing from God. In verse 11 you read, But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over me and cure me of my leprosy. So it appears that Naaman's pride and his ego is getting in the way here. Here we have Naaman. He's a hero to so many people. He's used to being treated with respect and he's absolutely outraged when Elisha just treats him like some ordinary person. He expected royal treatment, not a messenger at the door, And added to that, the Jordan was small and dirty. He's got much better rid of his back in Damascus where he he lives. The Jordan was beneath him. So he walks off in outrage. I wonder how often we shut the door on God, just like Naaman did there. How often do we shut out his blessings in our lives due to our stubbornness or pig-headedness, maybe our unwillingness to travel a road that we've never been down before and, and we just resort to the way it's always been or... We settle for the dysfunction that we've become accustomed to. Now, fortunately for Naaman, this journey of healing he's on does not stop here. Apparently, you think it's about to, but no, it continues. Because he's got some friends looking out for him, thankfully. And his friends come in by the way of his servants, Naaman's servants. They basically calm him down. They speak some common sense into his life. They basically say to him, hey, you want healing, don't you? Then wake up to yourself. Forget your pride, forget your reputation and embrace the simplicity of Elisha's mode of healing. Get down to that river and you wash yourself clean. Well, thankfully, that's exactly what Naaman decides to do. In verse 14 of 2 Kings chapter 5, we read, So he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all of the world except in Israel. So what happens here is that Naaman, he ends up both with a physical healing and a spiritual healing. He comes to the realization Elisha's God was the one and only true God, and that was the God that deserved his allegiance. So you can see what's happening here, can't you? God uses an anointed leader and prophet Elisha as an instrument of healing for Naaman. But let's not lose sight of the fact that he also anointed the lips of a young girl, a maid to save a dying general. He also anoints the lips of a group of servants to encourage Naaman to do the right thing. And their boldness to speak up in a time of challenge was a conduit to Naaman's healing. What a powerful reminder that God can use anyone. God can even use you as an agent of his healing and his blessing in someone else's life. And perhaps God is calling you to be like that young maid who had to exercise courage and to speak up, where she rose above the potential intimidation. She did not let Naaman's position of power preclude her from speaking into his life. She keeps her mouth shut and Naaman remains with his condition. So speak up in humility, to speak up with gentleness and let God use you to awaken someone else to his transforming power. That may may be a teacher, a politician, a parent, an older sibling. Forget about where you stand in the pecking order because in God's economy, there is no pecking order. I know there is in our society today, but not in God's economy. Forget about where you stand in that so-called pecking order. Be bold and point that person to God. What have you got to lose? Nothing. But the potential recipient of your words loses the opportunity to experience healing to experience salvation. Or maybe you're to be like the servants, to be blunt. There is a time to be blunt, isn't there, in life, to give a direct and firm message to a hardened heart, to a skeptic, to speak up before it's too late. You know, we all need those people in our lives, don't we? Those ones who are willing to stick their neck out and take a risk and just tell us how it is. We don't always like it at first. It's a little bit abrupt to receive advice like that, but sometimes it's advice that is hard to swallow. But once you digest it, you realize just how profound that message was, just how in season it was. I wonder if you need to be that wake-up call for someone in your life right now. That takes courage, that takes boldness, but the opportunity awaits. Well, maybe your inspiration from this story this morning comes from Elisha himself. I wonder if God's anointed you with a gift, with some gifts, the gift of healing, the gift of knowledge, the gift of prophecy, the gift of encouragement or hospitality. And God wants you to step up and use what he's given you, to use you as an instrument of healing and blessing. You see, we've all been given gifts, haven't we, to use? Every single one of us. At Crossway, we, we, we call it like this, one of our values as a church, actually, that, we, that the mission of God in the hands of ordinary people, everyone gets to play. We've all got a role. We're all on mission, in a sense, right throughout the week. Use those gifts Those gifts are given to you not to build up self, but to build up the church and to build into the lives of those around us. Now, this challenging season of lockdown, this challenging season of isolation that we find ourselves in, you know what? It calls for boldness. It's an invitation to boldness. It's a great opportunity to point someone to God who may be afflicted with fear or uncertainty or loneliness or hopelessness. Be bold, won't you? Be bold and deliver a food hamper to a neighbor who's very much in need, to someone who simply can't get out and shop right now. Make a call. Check in with someone. Offer help to pick up and deliver medication. Invite someone to an online church service. Be bold. Point people to God in these times of challenge. You know what? Naaman needed the boldness of three sets of people, pointing him to God before he finally got it. It then took a step of bold faith for him to receive that healing. Who might that person be in your life? God has placed you where you're at right now to make a difference. It's not a coincidence that he has you where you're at, but you're there for a reason and you're there to make a difference in the lives of those around you. Hey, just as an aside, you'll you'll notice there too if you were reading 2 Kings chapter 5 there that Elisha, and quite rightly so, I I think I'd do the same here. If I was in Naaman's shoes anyway, Naaman offers a thank you gift to Elisha. You can't thank him enough for this blessing and healing that he's come into, this restoration that he's now experiencing. He can now get back to his job and, and do it well. But Elisha refuses that thank you gift. Why? Because Elisha wants to make sure that Naaman understands that this was of God. This was not Elisha himself. This was God working through him, So he points again, he points Naaman back to God. Now let's change tracks just for a moment. Because right now you may find yourself more in Naaman's position. You might relate to Naaman more in this story that we're looking at this morning. Now it may not be leprosy, but something else that is holding you back from receiving God's blessing in your life. Perhaps you're feeling stuck right now in this, this season that we're in. Maybe you're full of resentment, anger. Maybe you're carrying a lot of, a lot of guilt around. Maybe there's some unbelief in you that you're refusing to believe in a God that might want to speak into your challenging situation as it presents. I really believe that to receive God's blessing and healing in our lives so often calls for boldness, a boldness in letting go of some stuff. Sometimes we just got to let go of some stuff to allow God to, to work in our lives. Perhaps you've got to let go of stubbornness. Perhaps you're angry. You're angry with someone for having the courage to speak the truth in love and being blunt and giving you a little bit of a whack. Someone trying to guide you back into into God's pathway, away from the worldly distractions that maybe have derailed your character that have caused some dysfunction in your life, that maybe have derailed your faith. As tough as it is to hear, this may be a word in season just for you. Let go of that stubbornness and let God get to work in your life. You may also have to let go of a bit of ego, that overinflated sense of self-importance that we can sometimes run around with on the basis of our, our position or our wealth or our societal status. But we're never, ever above God, never above what God might want to do with us in our lives either. Sometimes that means that he will strip us bare and expose what is at the core of our hearts and then get about restoring that heart. And that can be tough. That can take us to some pretty vulnerable places but the blessing often awaits as a result. Or perhaps you need to let go of doubt, full of doubt that God could ever bless me in the predicament that I find myself in, that God could ever heal me of this condition that I've been afflicted with, that God could ever restore me or cleanse me from the, the gunk and the dirt that I've allowed into my life, the sin that has pervaded in my life. Well, let go of that doubt, won't you? You need to let go of that doubt that's when God gets to work in our lives. To trust God and believe that his way is so often better than ours. Hey, let me take you back to my, my hockey story there of many years ago now. Now, surely I had another chapter to write in my story. It surely it doesn't end there with a crushing blow at training and impending operation. And I'm out for a few weeks and then we just carry on. Surely I go back to preseason training and build myself up again and have another crack at that elusive title the next year. That would be my next chapter. I think i would be within my rights to write that chapter. But God had other ideas. You see, within weeks of receiving that, that crushing blow, I was sensing a call into the church, into pastoral work and the Bible college. And that didn't sit really that well with me in many ways. I had a lot of arguing with God to do in that situation. I had, a lot of, I had to let go of some stuff. I'd have to let go of my sporting ambitions. I'd have to let go of that elusive premiership that I was chasing. I'd have to let go of that dream of playing in the National Hockey League for the next few years. I'd have to let go of my position in the family business where I was a manager and I had all of my life set out before me. I had absolute security in that. But to let go of that and to simply trust in God. I had doubts, absolutely, but I needed to let go of those doubts and believe that God had it all covered. You know what? I never played in the National Hockey League again. And I left the safety of my family business and here I am 23 years later. And I've never, ever regretted that decision once. You know, it's easy to believe God for something that you've already seen him do before in your life. It's a lot harder to believe in God for something that you're yet to see, that's yet to eventuate, where you need to make that step of faith. You see, Naaman's circumstance, it wasn't easy. He's got his own predicament here. He was being told to do something quite irrational. So this would take bold faith. He had to let go of his doubt in order to allow God to get to work in his life. And not only did he receive that physical healing, but God saved his soul. In verse 15 there of 2 Kings chapter 5, we read, Now I know that there is no God in all of the world except in Israel. And I suspect in this story that was the more oppressing point, the more important thing. The girl was more interested in his spiritual awakening than the actual physical healing that he experienced. And listen to what Jesus said about Naaman. I find this quite fascinating because this happens centuries before Jesus came to earth. Yet Jesus actually reflects on the life of Naaman. There's obviously something about his example that holds a fair bit of weight. And Jesus even recalls a part of his story to the, the gathering on this particular day. In Luke 4:27, we read that Jesus says this about Naaman. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. Yet not one of them, was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Just one, not, not two, three, four, or, or a dozen, only one. Only one of them was cleansed, Naaman the Syrian. In other words, only Naaman was willing to let go of some stuff in his life and put his trust in God. There's something in Naaman's example that we can follow. It's worthy of following. See, Jesus was saying this at the time as a reprimand to his listeners because they were not willing to trust him. No, they had their doubts. They were were second-guessing themselves. They were second-guessing Jesus. Their hearts were full of unbelief. So he's reprimanding them and citing Naaman as an example to follow. See, Naaman was forced to look away from his own achievements, his own wisdom, his own strength, and turn to God. And today, we're invited to do exactly the same thing. The invitation is for us as well. To be bold and let go of that stuff that is preventing you from experiencing God's healing in your life. See, that's when God shows up, a God who knows you, a God who loves you, a God who wants you to experience joy in living. And let's remember that God's concern is not just physical healing, but it's a spiritual healing. Now, your miracle may be an out-and-out physical healing, I mean, I believe that God still heals today. We have so many examples in our church, other churches I've been involved in and people's lives that I've been involved in of God's miraculously physical healing in their lives where they have defied doctors, where things have appeared on x-rays one day and a couple of days later, they're just gone and doctors cannot explain it away in any shape or form other than to say that is a miracle. And so often we see people interceding and petitioning for others to receive healing. That healing comes. Many, many examples of people that, uh, that experience physical healing today. God still heals today. Why does he heal some and not others? I don't understand that. That's the mystery of God, and we'll, we'll, we'll probably understand it on the other side. But he still heals today. But you know what? Your, your miracle may not be a physical healing. Your mir- miracle may be the joy that God infuses within you when the world and the circumstance that you're facing right now say that you should be on your hands and your knees in despair. Or that your miracle may be the peace that God embeds in you when the world and the circumstances of the day say to you that you should be hiding around the corner in fear. But imagine how many people miss their miracle because they refuse to believe God's power to overcome any circumstance. Imagine how many people miss their miracle because they refuse to embrace the simple steps recommended to them by a pastor or a counselor, a leader or a friend or even a parent. What do you need? to let go of. Is it stubbornness? Is it ego? Is it doubt? Or perhaps it's something else like anxiety or fear or a position you're Hey, maybe it's a behavior that is clearly a sin that's driving you further away from God and causing a great deal of dysfunction in your life. I encourage you this morning, let it go and let God get to work so that you may experience that blessing and that healing that it has for you in your life. You know, think of that clenched fist. You might want to even do that right now. Just get the, the your fingers and clench them into the palm of your hand. Tightly clenched fist, tightly holding on to stuff. You see, the longer we hold on to stuff, the harder it is to release that grip that we have on them. But you know what? It's never too late. Now, I'll go back to that uh, that continual story, that hockey story that I had where I received that blow to my finger and I ended up... Uh, having an operation on the compound fracture. I had a couple of pins put through my finger and it was excruciating. You know what the most excruciating part of that whole episode was? I was going back to the doctors a few weeks later and having those pins extracted. I've never been through that much pain in my life. And I kid you not, here I was, he didn't put my arm in a vice, but he may as well have because he needed to. It was like he got a, just a dirty pair of pliers, or not dirty, but a pair of pliers that you get out the back of you know, the back of your shed. Those sort of pliers we're talking about. And he got those pliers and... Um, connected to the end of the pin, and said, hey, Mark, this is going to hurt. Do you want a towel to sort of clench your your teeth on? And I said, oh, no, I'll be right." I'll well, tell you what, within a, a few seconds, I was grabbing that towel, and I was clenching, because this was excruciating. Here he was, yanking and pulling and trying to get these pins out of my finger, but the bones had done such a great job in molding together. It was like These pins had been concreted into my bones, and so he was working and working and working. I've got tears streaming down my face. I couldn't believe the pain I was in. He said, you know what? We might have to have another crack at this tomorrow. It's not coming. And I said, no, keep going. I'm not going to go through this pain for nothing now. Just keep yanking and yanking. And finally, he got it out. It had bent inside the finger, but eventually he got that pin out. The second one came out just that little bit easier. But you know what? For a fully functional hand, I needed to go through that pain. I needed to have those pins extracted. I had to let go of them. They needed to be extracted from my body. Otherwise, I'd live a pretty ordinary life physically in terms of the movement of that hand and also I'd be in a fair bit of strife as well in other areas. Maybe it's time to let go. Maybe it's time to surrender yourself and your ways to God. Let Him get to work in your life to cleanse you, to restore you to bring hope at a time of challenge in your life. What is it that you need to let go of today? Can I invite you to pray with me? Let's pray together. Lord God, this morning, we want to thank you. We thank you for the story of Naaman and for the lessons that you've taught us through Elisha's investment in his life and the faith-filled response of Naaman. And God, there are things that we need to let go of in our lives at times things that we need to let go of so that we may walk in your blessing and may experience your healing. And the quiet of our hearts right now, we ask that you might bring them to our mind, that we might be able to name those to you and bring them out in the open. Say, hey, God, this is something in my life that I know is causing me harm. It's weighing me down. It's driving me further away from you. Lord God, I need to let that go. Whatever that might be, just name that before the Lord now and let him have it. Now, Lord God, what Naaman had to do to have his leprosy washed away was similar to what we must do to have our sin in our lives washed away, where we surrender ourselves to you and trust in your goodness. And so in this moment, Lord God, we, we ask for your forgiveness. Forgive us for the, for the stuff in our lives that is not of you, things that are causing other people harm, things that are, that are immoral, that are weighing us down, that are causing us some harm. God, we thank you for your forgiveness and we believe that Jesus went to that cross and took all of that sin and all of that my wrongdoing to that cross and dealt with it on the cross. And that now as I surrender my life and place my trust in you, I can be free of all of that. And God, as I experience that freedom in you, may we receive your blessing in our lives. May we receive that healing in our lives that you have to offer us. As we receive that, may we pass it on to others. We're reminded of the boldness of that young girl and those servants boldly pointing name unto yourself. May we be so bold also as you call us to be that agent of healing in someone else's life. Have courage and boldness to exercise our giftings and to speak those words of encouragement and challenge into other people's lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.